Welcome to the Kings Country Podcast, where we have actual hockey to talk about, and that's really exciting. This is going to be fun. We're going to be, we're going to be talking about hockey. It's, it's been too long, and uh, we're going to do it today. And my name is Brett Finger. With me today is Andrew Schnicker. Andrew? I'm doing great, Brett. Like you said, we've uh, we've got some hockey to talk about. We've got some uh, some other things to talk about as well, but I'm definitely looking forward to the fact that we have... Uh, not physically seen in person, of course, because media are not yeah. allowed. But we have <laughs> yeah. seen with our own eyes that hockey has taken place in Raleigh this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, there's evidence that that we can look to, and that's that's exciting. Yeah, it's it's not quite the seeing it in person, but you know what? I think at this point we're all going to take it. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. Um, there's some off ice stuff that obviously has kind of dominated. Uh, I guess kind of overshadowed the fact that they're getting back on the ice, and that has to do with John Forsland and his expiring contract with the team. Um, Mark Armstrong, ABC 11, uh, came out and inscribed some of his conversations with John Forsland and then also Don Waddell, and there isn't a contract extension in place right now for John Forsland, and according to what Mark said um, over the past couple of days, it doesn't necessarily look good. No, definitely not. The one quote from Forslund, it was something along the lines of, I don't want to be going into the sunset, but today I'm, that's what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. certainly, um, you know, the other thing in this story he wrote was that he said that, you know, a lot of times there's a Hail Mary that'll come in with negotiations like these, but that Forslund didn't seem to think that was coming. Um, John's going to be live on the Kane's Corner podcast with Adam Gold. Tonight, it'll be after we've recorded this podcast, but I'm not sure what he will say will radically change things. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, I think uh, the the reputation of Tom Dundon comes into this. There's a lot going on with, with COVID-19, and that's, that's obviously being talked about as, as part of the whole thing, you wonder, you know, he signed, he was only signed to a one-year contract last year. Um, you wonder about where the priorities are maybe of Tom Dundon um, as compared to maybe a lot of the fan base, if, if that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I think, and like you said, the COVID-19 stuff, I mean, Waddell did tell um, Armstrong, too, that it would be fair to call Forslund to coronavirus financial casualty if something doesn't get worked out i'm not sure that's gonna work with most of the fan base <laughs> yeah, and yeah. The, you know playing devil's advocate for well and i'm not saying that tom dundon is the devil i mean he has done <laughs> a lot of great things while he's been here but you know looking into his mindset i think what you've seen is he's been willing to spend on players i mean obviously i mean the mm. hurricane spent to the cap i mean how how many years has it been since we never thought we'd see something like that from a Hurricanes owner? It has to be but to cut. install Alex Semin 2012 yeah. type area. But And we all saw how that worked out. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but cut in other areas, and I can certainly understand that, and I think, you know, obviously the biggest, the most important thing is the product on the ice, which for the, you know, the both of the full years that Tom Dundon's been an owner has been very good for the hurricanes. But I think 
if you were to apply, if you're Tom Dundon and you were to apply that logic of the product on the ice being that much more important that you can, that John Forslund is an area that you can cut. I get it. I get the thought process and I get having a philosophy and sticking to that philosophy. I think it's a miscalculation here for a couple of different reasons. Obviously John is widely regarded as the best in the business in terms of team specific play-by-play announcers. I think Mm -hmm. the, in fact, I think the athletic did like a fan survey type thing for that a few weeks ago. And um, the hurricanes broadcast team came in number one, largely because of Forsland. And the other thing too, that you look at John beyond being a top notch ambassador or top notch announcer. I just gave away what I'm going to say next um, (laughs) and being beloved among the hurricanes fan base. The whole time they've been here, he has been an ambassador for this franchise. Yeah. I mean, through the good times and the bad, you know, when there's something going on with the Hurricanes, a lot of times, you know, a national TV show, a national radio show needs a guest or someone to talk about it. They're getting Forsland. Other people around the league regard him as being a Hurricanes announcer and being the best announcer in the league. You know, people hear him on NBC and think, you know, that's the guy with the Hurricanes. Well, maybe not all the time, but. You get what I'm trying to say here. I mean, he's a representative of the franchise and a very good one. And one of the things, too, that Dundon talked about um, on his first day here was trying to make the Hurricanes relevant again. In fact, I can remember him talking to, going around to a lot of the tables at the press meal, um, one of the first games after he bought the team and, you know, talking about wanting to try to get more coverage. And obviously the biggest, again, the biggest factor in the hurricanes being relevant is the product on the ice Mm -hmm. but i think john forslund has done a heck of a lot to make the team relevant especially through the bad years as well no you're absolutely right um you know it's it's when you're looking at it from from uh, and i think everyone kind of has this this emotional tie obviously um and you look at it in that, you know, he's he since since the team moved, he has been like you said very well. He's been the outward voice consistently for the team on a national scale, like you said. So so when you know also factoring in that Chuck Hayden was not brought back after last year, that makes it a second consecutive off season where you're seeing a pillar of the franchise. And in a lot of ways, um, you see them kind of being ushered out the door. And I I think that if things remain where they are and it falls through the way that the way that it might, it seems like it might. Well, I think this is going to be taken harder than than last year, Um, especially, you know, when you're compounding those two and you're talking about the guy who has been on on your television for 20 more than 20 years now i i can't imagine that there's going to be much of an explanation that can come from tom dundon or the hurricanes or don waddell that can smooth over any of the of the feelings that would be felt and honestly justifiably so felt by people uh if if this doesn't go through yeah and i mean i think when you talk about katon and i think part of the reason why that wasn't felt as hard was because it was like, okay, well, they're just going to simulcast John onto mm-hmm. the radio. That'll be yeah. fine. And 
you know, people, I mean, Hurricanes fans have their favorite, like you think about your favorite Hurricanes memory and you play it over in your head. John Forslund's voice is probably playing in your head when you think about that goal or save or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the other thing to consider too is if, we're going, obviously, with this return to play, there will be no fans. Good chance when the 2021 season starts, there will be no fans. So when you're at a time when you're going to want more people than ever watching your games on TV, you're going to let your top-notch play-by-play guy leave? That that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, on, a, on a separate you know angle, um, I feel bad for whoever has to come in and, and replace him because oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, you can be one of the very best and you're not going to be John Forza and people are going to know that. And it's not going to be received. Well, it's just, it's just a losing proposition for, for seemingly everyone, including a guy in John Forza who said that he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't, this isn't a thing where he, he wants to move it along. Uh, so it's it seems puzzling to to be nice uh, to put it lightly. Uh, the whole thing seems confusing and puzzling, and and you'd think that from the standpoint of giving him his fair market value would feel like a no brainer, especially given all that's going on. Um, but maybe and apparently Tom Dundon doesn't necessarily feel that way. Yeah, well, and then two other – well, you're absolutely right. I mean, the Hurricanes could hire Doc Emmerich, and if they've let John Forslund walk, people are going to be sitting on the edge of their seats waiting for him to mess up. Yeah. But I think that's – the the one other thing I want to say is I think that's the biggest thing that is upsetting so many people. Like, we've all kind of said and thought in the back of our minds for years that we thought that one day we would lose John because he would go – he would choose to go full-time with NBC. Yeah. But the fact that it's going to happen in a moment where John is saying, you know, I want to stay, and the Hurricanes don't want to do their part to make that happen is what's going to not sit well with a lot of people. Exactly. Return to the ice. So a couple of days ago, on Tuesday, the start of voluntary uh, practices uh, and return to the ice started for the Hurricanes among that group. Justin Williams, Jordan Stahl, Vincent Trocek, James Reimer, and Dougie Hamilton uh, back after the broken leg that he suffered in Columbus back in January. Um, And then day two was on Wednesday, and Sebastian Ajo was on the ice for that, among others. So there there are players back on the ice. This is exciting. Um, Thoughts on the return... it's not anywhere close to normal, but closer than we've been to normal. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, you mentioned all those names. I've One more that I would say would be fairly safe to throw in there would probably be Jacob Slavin, just because I know he and mm-hmm. his family have a home in Raleigh. Um, and typical Jacob Slavin fashion, I'm sure he was trying to stay as far away from the camera as possible while all that was going on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I think there certainly is a lot of uh, – you know, despite a lot of the challenges that are still ahead and, you know, some of the things that have happened with, you know, the NHLPA still having to do its votes on the return to play in the CBA and players. Um, what did the release the other day say? 26 testing positive? Yeah, it was 25 or 26. Yeah. But um, 
we actually got again uh media are not allowed at the skates but the hurricanes mm-hmm. were nice enough to set up a zoom call for local media with jordan stall on tuesday afterward and he sounded um you know understandably you know feeling like everything's different and not what he's used to but sounding like he wants to make the best of it and he sounded um pretty optimistic i think would be the right word about everything was the sense that i got from him happy to get back on the ice happy to be back with the guys um obviously you know he understands that there's challenges ahead but the the vibe i kind of got from stall was that he's trying to look at it like you know they're trying to do this and there are elements that are going to be ultimately out of the players and the league's control as far as whether or not this can work but that he's glad that they're trying, you know, everything within their power to get back on the ice, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, as we as we make this this shift towards trying to get back on the ice, obviously the the safety of the players and the safety of everyone involved is is number one. And hopefully these these protocols that are going to be put in place are effective and it, it can be sustainable. Um and if they are sustainable, it looks like we know where these games will be played. So at the start of the play-in round, uh, the hub cities are almost certainly now after Vegas's spike or uh, Nevada's spike in, in COVID-19 cases, it looks like it's going to go to Canada. It's going to be Toronto and Edmonton as hub cities. And Bob McKenzie reported earlier today that in that scenario, Edmonton would host the conference final and the Stanley Cup final. So we have our locations pretty much seemingly in set in stone for for the most part. Obviously, things can change quickly, and they have been over the last few months. Um, So I I guess that's exciting. You know, (laughs) Toronto and Edmonton will experience late playoff uh, hockey, which is good for them because they don't necessarily get that a lot. Well, you know, Brett, um, mm. it just occurred to me that the last time uh, a Stanley Cup Finals game was played in Edmonton. Hmm. What um, was that? Well, it was about... God, you're making me do math. It was about 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, and it involved a certain team. The Oilers. Yes, but, the, but more else? specifically, their Eastern Conference opponent. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. It's 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 the Carolina Hurricane. Right. I mean, I, like, I'm not <laughs> saying that that means anything for now. I'm just saying that that is what happened. I mean, it's a very. I mean, it's just a valid and 100 percent accurate point that you're making. Yeah, but more to the point on the hub. I mean, I was curious about how they were going to do the Stanley Cup Final. You know, were they going to see if by that point, it would be safe to do it in the two team cities. Although I guess that wouldn't really be fair if everybody else played the entirety of the playoffs in the hub cities. And obviously, it, it makes ab- if you're playing in neutral sites anyway, it makes absolutely zero sense to go back and forth between two yeah. different neutral sites, especially for the Stanley Cup final and for the conference finals too. I mean, at that point, with TV revenue in mind you're definitely going to want to play those games on different days, I'm sure, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, all that makes sense. And, I mean, obviously, I mean, this is a sad statement to make, but I think you're a whole heck of a lot safer, 
you know, trying to restart your pro sports league in any other country, probably besides the United States right now, you know, somewhere yeah. where wearing masks isn't a political issue or. Yeah, you know. I'm with you on that. That makes them that makes a lot of sense. That may, that makes more sense than having it here, especially as we see the cases uh, continue to rise in in our country um, and our state. in our state as well. Um, remember once upon a time that it was like, Oh, Raleigh might be a place that, you know, that, that went away pretty quick. <laughs> I was always extremely skeptical of that just because, um, in the beginning, given how, um, and now even really with his reluctance to move forward, rightfully so into further stages with how conservative, um, Roy Cooper has been about lifting restrictions. Mm. And then now recently, with the way case numbers are going, it's definitely, and the uh, behavior, we'll say, of some of our fellow North Carolinians, I think it's definitely not, wouldn't have been a good idea. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think when you look at the virus numbers in the United States and you have a league where you had, what, seven different options in Canada and pretty much, is every Canadian team part of the restart? Not Ottawa, not Ottawa. Uh, every, yeah. every Canadian team except for Ottawa is yeah, part yeah. of the restart. It, it just makes too much sense to do it this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this for for a lot of reasons, uh, this this thing should not have been happening in the United States, and the points that you made are <laughs> chief among them. If it's still it's still tough to be like when the games start. I can't get myself to say that knowing what we know, like... what we know. I mean, it's just, you know, it's for me, it's still if because all of this, like restarting, like even baseball, which is supposed to happen in what, like three weeks and the NBA <laughs> yeah. down to like all of this is just like some like the thought of the games actually starting is just some abstract concept to me. Like, yes, I know the intention is for that to happen, but I'm I'm like. I'm almost expecting it not to just because of everything yeah. that has gone wrong so far. Yeah, absolutely. So if slash when, uh, I won't say when until they actually play the game. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, when the first period of game one between Rangers Hurricanes, if slash when that happens, that's when I'll stop saying if. Spoken like a true NC State fan. <laughs> but yeah, so... We'll, we'll see, but if if this thing gets off the ground and protocols are followed and things work for the first time in a very long time, um, on paper, does this layoff help or hurt the Hurricanes? Well, I asked Jordan Stahl about this, and, you know, obviously you're never going to – nobody is ever going to come out and say, oh, yeah, this pandemic and this pause – and the league having yeah. to shut down helped us. However, mm -hmm. I would say it absolutely helped them. I mean, there was a thought that maybe sometime in the first round of the normal playoffs, you might get Dougie Hamilton back. Mm -hmm. You are definitely getting him back now. You're getting him back 100% healthy. You'll be getting him back having you know participated in these practices with the team, having gone through Rod's training camp. You will have... Um, you're going to get a full training camp for the trade deadline acquisitions, guys like Vincent yeah. Trocek and Brady Shea, for them to acclimate to the team better than if you're just bringing them in on the fly after the trade deadline. 
Sammy Vatnin should be healthy. And the big one, you know, it was thought when he had the shoulder surgery in March that Brett Pesci was done for the year. We've now heard from both Waddell and Brindamore on numerous occasions. Um, I think the last comment was Brindamore saying, it's a long shot, but the longer this takes, that shot gets shorter. If you look at the timeline for his surgery, a return for Brett Pesci in early August looks possible. And so now all of a sudden you're looking at something you never thought you would see this year because some of those trade deadline days deals were made in mind with definitely not having Pesci yeah. and maybe not having Hamilton either. You're going to see the Hurricanes with a full deck plus the trade deadline acquisitions, which just is not something we ever thought we'd see. So I think yeah. that's going to be a very interesting dynamic. Absolutely. Um, I think you, and what makes this so, I guess weird is we're practically having some version, a very different version of an off season right now. So when you, when you look at guys and how they were performing, for example, I'll say Nino Niederreiter. I thought he played well for a vast majority of the year. The numbers didn't come. And this is a guy who is streaky. When he gets hot, he's he can score every game. Who's to say that when the season restarts, Nino goes on a heater, and that's a huge addition to your offense. And on the same point, you know, you look at guys who were playing well at the end of of the of the shortened season back on March 11th or 10th was their last game in uh, in Detroit. How will they be playing? Obviously, you have the expectation that guys like you know Aho, Svechnikov, Taravine, and those are guys that are going to pick up where they left off. That's not. I don't think that's anywhere close to a guarantee, given all that's going on. I don't think anything is a, is close to a guarantee, uh, on or off the ice. So it's it's just it's a really interesting dynamic. And you look at guys. My my again, my big guy is is Nino Niederreiter. Uh, talk about you know a guy who was really just snake bit throughout the year, and it was a tough year for him. He was doing pretty much everything right. He couldn't get any breaks, seemingly. Uh, at least not for consistent stretches, um, getting away from it and then coming back. How does that change his mindset? How does that change his game on the ice? You, I mean, a guy like Jake Gardner, who who we all know had a, has had a tough first season, and he was starting to pick it up in a pretty big way at the end. But what does that time away do for him? Um, so I think a lot of it is as much as it is physical. Um, and like you said, obviously Dougie Hamilton getting back, potentially Brett Pesci getting back. I mean, Dougie Hamilton was in line to be a Norris finalist. That's, that's a huge, huge, huge addition to the Hurricanes lineup if they do play the games. Um, so on top of the physical stuff, you're talking about a lot of mental stuff with these players and, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see guys who might have been struggling at at the tail end of the year come back and and just have a really good s string of you know a couple of weeks on the ice and you know you're you're talking about a lot of unknown there so I think that 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 definitely adds to the you know the the drama around the potential of these games being played. 
Is Morgan Geeky technically still on a two-game goal-scoring streak? He absolutely is. And <laughs> also, Jake Gardner has five points in his last two games. I That's mean, right. Not even the pandemic could change that fact. So, you know, it's just there's a lot of things to consider here, I think. No, I think you're right. And I think another guy I would look into in terms of guys that were struggling that could maybe turn it around, I actually did his um, – his performance review, if you guys haven't seen, be sure to catch up. We've been doing regular season performance reviews for every player. But uh, a guy like Ryan Dezingle, who when I looked yeah. at it, kind of been below expectations. He actually was pretty much fine in the first half of the season. But I think he had something like two goals and five points since the calendar flipped to 2020. A lot of that is just with some of the other guys in the lineup and getting Eric Williams Holland. back and all that, he he's get his ice time is lowering, but that's probably a guy you expect a little bit more from. And, you know, maybe a mental break does him some good. Um, his, his shooting percentage is way below what it was for his career coming in. So he could potentially be another guy like Niederreiter, who's been a little snake bitten, who a, a mental break could do him some good. And he just got married. So you don't know, yeah. maybe, you know, that'll, <laughs> be a motivating factor for him but definitely i think it makes sense that guys who were that this break could also have done some guys who were struggling not just you know out of the lineup injured but who were struggling in terms of their production some good yeah and you know dezingle yeah like i mean like you said it was a really good start i mean he was he was really clicking with hala and natchez on that third line and then Hala's status was was in and out a lot and then Hala ended up getting traded and he's kind of been in a spot where he doesn't really have a fit on this current construction of the team so it'll be interesting to see when he does come back who he fits in with I'm sorry not when when he comes back if 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 (laughs) if they come back uh it'll be interesting to see where he lines up and man talking hockey is fun you know, this is so much it, better. It I is. Mean, it's so much, I, would, I would much rather talk about who's struggling and scoring and healthy than yeah, hub cities and masks and case numbers and <laughs> all that. Yeah. Mess. I mean, sign me up for, for Ryan Dezingle and Nito Niederreiter talk. Uh, I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> Maybe the Hurricanes are going to be here for this first overall pick because, boy, the draft lottery is a thing that happened, and the number one pick goes to placeholder. So no one has a first overall pick or has the first overall pick right now. Alexis Lafreniere's future team is unknown, and the loser of the play-in round, one of the eight losers of that of that play-in, will be entered in. I believe it's 12.5% each of a chance to get that first overall pick in the second phase of the lottery. Um, for the Hurricanes going into it, there was there was, there was was a little bit more on the line given the Brady Shea trade that happened at the deadline with them sending their first-round pick, uh, the, or their worst of two first-round picks between their pick and the Toronto pick that they have from the Marlowe trade. Um there was a there was a potential threat there of giving the Rangers a really good pick potentially, and they avoided it. 
So it's impossible for the Rangers to get the first overall pick and get it from the Hurricanes, given how everything has fallen into place. But that doesn't mean that there isn't more to talk about here with the first overall pick. So a question that that might have a difficult answer. If you're, you know, obviously you, no one's going to say that, you know, getting the first overall pick odds is better than winning a playoff series. Obviously, no one would ever say that. But what's better? Getting a 12.5% chance to get the first overall pick or winning the play-in round against the Rangers? Yeah, I mean, it's like 12.5% is not high enough, nearly high enough, I think, for me to say, like, well, obviously... For anything under like 50%, even that, you should never tank yeah. an opportunity yeah. to win three out of five games and then play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, that's ridiculous. But, I mean, I, I guess the thing that I will say is for the Hurricanes, especially losing to the Rangers, and I, I will point out too, there is a scenario where the Canes would have to get, give, still not have a first round pick because yeah, the Leafs yeah. is lottery protected, but it would involve. Toronto losing to Columbus and then winning the first overall pick. That's it. Yeah. But, but getting back to what I was saying, I mean, I think it'd be a heck of a consolation prize because look, odds are you're not winning it because only one team is winning it and you're getting, you're picking like where, you know, low twenties or wherever, which is what will happen anyway. If Mm -hmm. they can't do the play-ins, then I think just the, um, bottom eight teams that were in the playoff playing round will get a shot at that lottery. Shot the first. Would not yeah, yeah. But yeah. say they lose to the Rangers. It's a heck of a com- consolation prize because imagine just for a minute, <laughs> imagine winning that. Imagine having the forward group that you have now kind of up top with your Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravainen, Andre Svechnikov, Martin H's, Vincent Trocek, you know, for at least the next few years. Imagine adding Lafreniere to that group. Just imagine that for a moment. That's that's the that's the whole thing because no one in their right mind would 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 suggest that you know, not like like throwing around to get a chance at that. But uh, look, he's good, man. He's really good, and you're, you know, that's that would be quite an addition moving forward um hypothetically speaking yeah because is Lafreniere right now I mean I know he's the number one pick but the number one pick in Svechnikov's class was the defense like is he a better prospect right now than Svechnikov was coming into his draft year I I I think so yeah (laughs) I mean he had he had 112 points in 52 games this year in the QMJHL and as a 17-slash-18-year-old at the World Juniors, he had 10 points and four goals in five games for Canada. That'll play. <laughs> That'll play. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to play hockey. That would, be, that would just be great. And um, cool. I think this podcast was great. Do you agree? I agree. I think we got some uh, – we had a lot to talk about, but I think we got it all in and we got some good uh... – good discussion on all of this Mm -hmm. i hope you guys enjoyed listening to us but uh yeah like you said 
maybe they're going to play. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they're going to play. Um, Honestly, the fact that for all the reasons that I outlined earlier, the fact that um, the NHL is planning to play in Canada as opposed to like baseball playing at all their different home stadiums or the oof. NBA playing in Florida, Florida. which yikes did you see Uh, that dallas fc had nine players that are in orlando that got tested positive already well i know the um i did not see that but i know in the end the nwsl uh women's soccer tournament the orlando pride had to with just withdraw which that's being played out in utah but the orlando pride had to straight up just withdraw from the tournament because they had so many players test positive and it happened because a bunch of younger players on the team went to a bar, yeah. which – so all that being said, I'm more optimistic about the NHL working out than I think any of these other ones are just because they're going to be in Canada where <laughs> people seem to like – a larger percentage of people seem to actually be taking all of this seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so just wear your mask. That, is that – I, I don't feel like that's a political statement, but no. wear your mask. Um, we at Kane's Country significantly <laughs> endorse the phrase of "wear your mask." Yeah, amen. You know, I you know what? If there's anything you get from this podcast, it's that. This is great, um, Andrew. Where can the listeners find you on Twitter and elsewhere? They can find me on Twitter at all lowercase a s c h n i t t. 53 uh where elsewhere would you like them to find me i mean you know at you can just give them your address if you want um i'm gonna refrain <laughs> from doing so okay but Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah twitter twitter's good find me on twitter only on twitter don't find me anywhere don't, don't don't find him anywhere. only on twitter please uh i'm at brett underscore finger on twitter uh, read canescountry.com we have a lot of really good content going up there uh, like Andrew said earlier about last season uh, season player recaps uh, through 68 games at least um, and we're revving up for potential of, of more hockey to be played rate this podcast, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts literally wherever you listen to podcasts you can find the Canes Country Podcast and you will find us next time we'll talk again soon Bye.